Blog Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting into my running, and I'm so far from my. We will not go gently. Uh, we're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you are crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. Hey, hey, you play hey, he's coming down from the gallows, and I don't have very Bengals and 
And I don't even know if we can include the Cleveland Browns on that list right now because they are definitely mathematically eliminated from the playoffs at this point. But, Zach, what did you think of the game against Cleveland? Well, you know, Brian, I think first and foremost, we had said, and I had said the words must win earlier in the year. And and I think when you take a look at the way this team performed, it certainly wasn't like they were playing in a must-win game, but they got the job done. I think that there is something to be said uh, for the fact that you hold them to single digits in scoring, especially for the fact that they weren't able, able to find the end zone until the fourth quarter when Gary Barnridge uh, caught that little pass across the middle. But honestly, I I just think that this could have been even bigger of a blowout than it, than it already was. Obviously, some injury concerns for us, um, and, you know, lots of injury concerns over there for them as well. I mean, for God's sake, it, it still doesn't even look like Cleveland has a quarterback, which, by the way, great stat, phenomenal stat. The best quarterback to play in Cleveland uh, for the Browns actually doesn't play for the Browns. He plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and his name is Ben Roethlisberger. The man absolutely <laughs> owns the city and owns that stadium. He's won 10 times there, which is tied with Derek Anderson with 10 for the most wins by any quarterback who's played there in the last 10 years. So I definitely think it's worth stating. Uh, keep in mind that the Steelers um, you know, have a long way to go to get back in this race tied with Baltimore, as we said. But it's looking more favorable after a win against Cleveland. You know, Zach, a funny thing about that Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Derek Anderson stat that you just uh, laid on us, I remember watching the draft in 2004. It was a Saturday. The first round was uh, Saturday at noon, and there was the thought at the time was that it's going to be Phillip Rivers by default, and it was just amazing to watch. And the one team to get through, as it kept on going, everyone was looking at the Cleveland Browns. And I'm thinking, oh gosh, we we gotta get through the Browns. I mean, we're not gonna if we don't get through the Browns, we are not gonna get a quarterback. And it was desperate. It was a desperate time for a quarterback. And so watching the Browns pick, and they come up with Kellen Winslow Jr., who uh, looked like looked like a stud at the time, but uh, just didn't really. He had some okay years on the pro level. One uh, one absolute amazing year when I had him on my fantasy team, so I do thank him for that. But uh, other than that, than that just a, a disappointment on the pro level. And to think that they could have had an Ohio kid in Ben Roethlisberger lead them to glory. I mean, we might be talking a couple Super Bowls uh, in Cleveland if Ben Roethlisberger was there and the front office just didn't completely ruin the situation. But we will never know, and thank goodness that we will never know that. Now... We're talking about fact or fiction. We're talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers going forward. We're going to have bold statements about the team, and we're going to determine whether they're fact or whether they are fiction. And it's something you can join into. So feel free to uh, give us a call. And the number, as always, is 347-850-8581. We would love to hear from you, and you could chime in and agree or disagree with us. Just debate. It's fun to do. So we want to hear from you. Now, the show, as always, is brought to you by Frank Walker Law. The top 100-ranked trial attorney is Frank Walker for his PA office. Call 412-212-3878 or to reach his West Virginia office, call 304-712-2089. You should also check out his website, frankwalkerlaw.com, to see how he can help you in your time of need. Frank Walker Law, real talk, real results, real experience. 
With that being said, Zach, let's crack open that six-pack and get it going, my friend. What do you think? Yes, I'm absolutely ready. And, and I know that our first one here is a, a little on the morbid and morose side uh, for those fans who are just tuning in to join us. But I do want to say one more quick thing before we get to number one. Cleveland Browns right now, I just pulled this up, very interesting statistic. They're 3-24 and 24 since 2015. I just think that's worth mentioning. This team, you need to pick up that second win when we come around to them again. But three wins in their last 27 games. So if I'm doing my math correctly, that's, uh, gosh, over uh, seven and a half more losses, seven and a half times the losses than the wins. That's that's just amazing. Yeah, it is a 12%. I I will say another one more thing about that Cleveland team before we we go forward. Tell you what, I like what they're building there, though, with some – there are so many young – players on that roster that are starting and getting some time. I mean, Danny Shelton's in the second year. I think he's a punk, um, especially for that little uh, pushback down of Ben Roethlisberger, but I think he is becoming one of the best nose tackles in the league. Um, Pro Football Focus has him rated as the number one through the 2016 season so far. Um, You have other very good young players on that team. Corey Coleman is going to shine as a wide receiver. There's so many guys on the offensive line. So uh, with how bad they are doing now, they are learning. They're getting their growing pains over with um, for that team. And uh, you might be seeing some very big things from this group of guys if they could keep them together and keep them going. But uh, one of my favorite players right now on the Cleveland Browns is a Pittsburgh kid. It's Terrell Pryor, and his contract is running out soon. And I would love to see him come back to Pittsburgh as a wide receiver. Um, that would be something that, that I think would be absolutely amazing um, now that he's in his, uh, in his fifth season in the league. So that's something that I would love to see the team consider and uh, Terrell Pryor Sr. consider just as well. But with that being said, Zach, let's get on. And, yes, this is you did mention that this is a morbid talk, topic, and it's one that really concerns me and uh, should concern everybody. So uh, let's hear us out when you hear it, and don't get enraged as soon as you hear it. So, number one, it is dangerous to see a football game at Heinz Field. Zach, is that fact or fiction? Well, really quick, Brian, I, just to inform the listeners about the, why this question is even getting presented. Uh, for those who don't know, Steeler Nation has, has lost one of his own, and it's not one of the men who put the helmet on each and every day um, and goes out there and practice and on Sunday stands on the sidelines at Heinz Field. Um, unfortunately, this was a fan um, who died after an altercation with I, I, and Brian, a lot of this is very shit. We, we should definitely state that that a lot of this is really not confirmed. There's, there's, and you know, you said this before the show. There's going to be a lot of allegedly here, but allegedly, there was an altercation between a Cowboys fan and a Steeler fan. Uh, 44-year-old William Lawland, um, if I am pronouncing that name incorrectly, I, I really apologize. But um, he goes to the game. And he gets in an altercation with this Cowboys fan, and he is punched in the face and knocked unconscious. And this is direct from uh, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette here that says that police source says, said that after the fight, Lawlin went out drinking before returning to his Baldwin home and going to sleep. He never woke up. And, and that is just, that's a tragedy. 
And that's a tragedy for, for all who are involved. And, you know, until these circumstances are made entirely clear, um, you know, you have to think that a blow to the head, uh, you know, can do some serious damage. And allegedly he was struck in the head and fell down. And, and he landed on one of the ramps, folks, at Heinz Field. If you've ever been, uh, you know they have those ramps on the left side of the field. And, and he apparently hit the ground very hard. And, you know, there are other circumstances. It could be something like alcohol poisoning. It could be, you know, a, a wide plethora of things. But one has to think, I mean, if someone just doesn't go to sleep and, and wake up, or not wake up, excuse me, and and this is what we have here, and it's very unfortunate. I, I will say for the general statement, um, fiction, it is dangerous, but I will say it's riding the line of fact, and, I, and I'll tell you why, Brian. My biggest thing was, being from Maryland, uh, I've gotten to go to M&T Bank Stadium, uh, home of the Ratbirds, of course, the Ravens themselves, but... Um, you know, going there when I was younger, when I was a kid with my dad, was almost it was almost frightening as I got older. Because as I got older, more people were willing to get more physical with me. And, and mind you, I'm still a kid. Even if, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old and people are shoving me around and whatever and throwing stuff on me, that can escalate very quickly. And I think, you know, if I was to go today as, you know, the 20-year-old kid slash man, whatever, whatever I am in society's eyes, um, you know, the bottom line is, is that more people would be willing to be more physical with you. So I don't think it's inherently dangerous uh, just to suit up and go to an NFL game, especially if you're in your hometown and, you know, you want to go to a game or if you're from, you know, the greater area of Pittsburgh and you want to go to Heinz Field. This is not saying that you will most likely be in a dangerous time. I just think that we definitely need to start making sure that these sorts of outbursts don't happen and and often alcohol is the uh, the benefactor of these arguments, but it's tough, Ryan. I mean, is there really a, a right way to say this? I I don't know. I mean, all we can say is a very big rest in peace to Mr. Lawlin. Uh, clearly, um, you know, a member of the tribe here, a member of Steeler Nation. You know what? I'm I'm probably going to believe that his name would be pronounced Lachlan, um, just because of uh, familiarity with. Uh, people that are having a name similar to that, so that's what I believe. Yes, rest in peace to him. Um, you hate to see this happen. And we, once again, we, we preface this entire conversation with a lot of allegedlies, and we're being very careful here because we don't know. That, this has been hush-hush, but it has, now been, it has now been advanced to the major crimes department of the Pittsburgh police. So this is this is something very serious. Now you don't know what was what happened to uh, you know lead to the punch. You don't know how this transpired. I mean, we can speculate so many things. So we're just not going to do that. But I will say, I'm 44 years old, and so was uh, the gentleman who passed away in this situation. And it scares me because you know I go to a game for entertainment, and pretty soon I'm going to be taking my nine-year-old boy and my nine-year-old nephew for the first time to go see a game, and I want to take them to Pittsburgh, and you know, that's how old I was when my dad took me for the first time, um, so it, it was something very special and something I will remember all my life, and my sister was uh, asking me, um, my nephew just had a birthday this week, and she wanted to take him to the Steelers-Ravens game for his birthday in Baltimore, and I told her no. Do not do that. Just for the fact that you are an opposing fan, 
in another stadium, and it could get very ugly very fast, even if you're minding your own business. And that's something that does happen in Pittsburgh, I'm sad to say. Our fans are just as brutal to other fans just because they were wearing another jersey. Um, I was in a situation with, uh, with a family member um, on my wife's side who's a New York Giants fan, and I took him to the game in 2008, and he was wearing – he went fairly neutral. The only thing he was wearing of blue, red, and white was a New York Giants ball cap. That's it. Here I am completely decked out in a jersey and everything. I mean, I was complete – I had you know, eye black on. I was in complete black and gold. And we're walking towards the stadium between PNC Park, and there's a group of Steeler fans and uh, on a truck tailgating – um, on the way, and they see the Giants fan and start screaming at him. And I'm walking with him, and I, and uh, my my family member, um, you don't want to mess with. But I told him flat out, just keep your calm. Let me take care of everything. So I yelled back, and that's something that could have escalated in a hurry. But uh, this was definitely a gentleman at the time that was drinking heavily. He was wearing a Pittsburgh Steelers custom jersey, number 69, that said Jagoff on the back. So that's, that's pure class. And if you're listening, you're an a-hole. I'm going to tell you flat out. I remember you from 2008, and I, uh, I thought you were classless in that situation. But this guy was walking with a Steeler fan, okay? The New York Giants fan, um, which is my wife's nephew, but he's an adult, and uh, was walking with me, a Steeler fan, and they were going after him just because of his headgear. And that, to me, is a problem. You know, when I wake up to go to a game, I am going to root on my, root on my team, just like 31 other different fans every single week are going to root on their team, just hoping their team wins, hoping they get that, that feeling of a playoff run and Maybe, just maybe, the glory of a Super Bowl victory, because nothing is like a Super Bowl victory when, you're, when your team wins it. And that's what every, te- every guy wants, or every lady, every fan wants. And that's it. That's why we watch it. We want to live vicariously through these players and enjoy it. And that's what we do. So I don't care if you're a Ravens fan, a Jaguars fan, a Carolina Panthers fan. You're the same as me. You're there for the same reason, and you should be treated with respect. Now, I was in a situation where I went to the playoff game, the uh, AFC Championship game in early 2005. That was Ben's rookie season, and they were playing the New England Patriots, as, as we know, and that game did not go very well. In fact, it, it, it ended up being uh, just really ugly, and a lot of fans vacated early. And I had a hotel room with my buddy in and my buddy said, I'm, I'm going back. And I frankly didn't want to walk with him at the time because I knew two things. I knew he was going to be livid, and I knew the fact that everybody was going to be yelling in the concourse. So I decided to stay. And I'm glad I stayed because who knows what could happen in that situation. And uh, people are upset. It's a late game. Um, there are, I mean, blood alcohol levels are higher at that point. And uh, you're disappointed, the season's over, and it could get very ugly very fast. So I'm, I decided to go down and watch a little bit of the celebration because Joe Namath was there, 
giving them the trophy. And I'm wearing a Joey Porter jersey at the time. Joey was still on the team. And I'm walking, and I decided, you know, I can't handle this, so I'm just going to walk up and walk back and, uh, and get out of there. So I walk back, and I knock into a Patriots fan. And the Patriots fan just stops and says, whoa, 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 sorry, sorry. I'm like, hey, that's okay. And I extended my hand to him. I'm like, congratulations, enjoy the Super Bowl. And he looked at me. Zach, he, he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm congratulating you. Congratulations. He's like, wow, you're the nicest Steeler fan I've ever met. This has been, <laughs> this has been crazy. I mean, I'm like, well, you know what? Just enjoy yourself. He says, hey, can you take a picture with me? And I'm like, uh, okay, um, I'll do it, but one condition. I'm not going to smile. He said, that's okay. So there's a picture of me shaking hands with a Patriots fan somewhere. And, um, and you know, I'm proud of that because I recognized how happy that guy was. And even though I was upset um, that my team lost, it didn't matter. It's humanity that ma- matters. It's the fact that being kind to another person. But back to Heinz Field, Zach, when you're going through that concourse after a devastating loss, it is just mean. People are screaming, yelling. Uh, of course, they want Tomlin's head on the silver platter. I remember back uh, they wanted Cowers' head on the silver platter when I was walking through there, too, after a Ravens loss. It was, it, it's just crazy. And I felt that in M&T Stadium when I was there last year, and I, did, I was decked out in Steeler gear, gear. I'm not a tremendously tall or big guy, but I was with one of my buddies that was a Redskins fan, but he wanted to represent uh, my team and was wearing a, uh, a Marquise Pouncey jersey. And this guy probably looks like Marquise Pouncey. He goes about 6'4", 300-some um, pounds, and he's just a big dude. So no one was saying anything to me, but I watched them say to everybody else in that stadium that was wearing black and gold. And it was just horrible. And it got to the point where I don't want to go to games anymore. And you go through those concourses, no matter what stadium it is, especially in Heinz Field, I could tell you, there's no security there whatsoever in those concourses. And that's something that they really need to take a look at. I don't know how, how much that's going to change things, but you're sort of on your own when you're going through there. And heaven forbid you're wearing another jersey, yeah, you don't want to have anything to do with it. I mean, I, if I were going to another stadium again, I would just wear a neutral jacket and uh, wear something underneath and know I had it on. I would still cheer, but when I'm going through the concourses, I don't want to be touched or talked to. Um, no, no matter what the outcome of the game is, it's just not worth it. And it's getting to the point where it's not worth going to the games anymore. And they talk about player safety all the time. Zach, they need to start talking about fan safety. And this is not just the Pittsburgh Steelers' problem now. I mean, it happens so many other places. You, uh, we talk about baseball. And at the beginning of the uh, 2011 Major League Baseball season, they, uh, they severely, a, a Dodger fan, and they were later arrested and convicted, severely beat up a San Francisco fan. And I could probably name ten other instances of where this has happened. I could tell you of a Los Angeles Raiders game um, when the Pittsburgh Steelers played there in 1990 where a Steeler fan ended up 
in a coma during that game just because he was a Steeler fan. So it's absolutely ridiculous the way fans uh, behave there just because they're rooting on their team. It's something we used to hear about, European soccer matches. Now it is really bad here, and I'm tired of it. So I'm going to say fact that it's dangerous to go to a football game at Heinz Field, but I'm going to add on that it's dangerous to go to an NFL game in general, and something has got to change, Zach. Something has got to change. Well, you know, Brian, I think that there's also a large part of, you know, the the whole argument of, Anytime you take a step outside of your house, you, you're taking risks, you know, and, and this is one of those situations where you just have to be just as aware of what's going on around you as everybody else. And so, you know, I think it's worth reiterating to, to everybody at home, um, you know, if you're thinking about going to a game, just be safe, be smart, um, and just put, you know, good judgment first. And, and that is the, the, the biggest thing. And if it means you got to cut down on a few beers to maybe relieve you know, resist the tendency to get into it with somebody, then that's what you got to do. Um, but I think ultimately it is actions like these that unfortunately but fortunately contribute the most effect to a situation. Because when something this severe happens, there, there is going to be change, uh, especially with maybe, you know, the security issues or just how the Steelers approach uh, when people were there, because now, unfortunately, there is someone dead, and one of the last places they were was Heinz Field, and that's where the conflict occurred. I agree. This is a very heavy topic and um, something you don't want to think about. I like when you just go to a game, have fun, go home, and uh, you, this is something that I do. I see a fan from another team, and I joke with them, have fun with them. You know, and that's it. And that's what a lot of people need to think about. You know, look, remember what I said at the beginning. They're there for the same reason that I'm there. You know, they have the same feelings that I do. It's just, I'll quote Jerry Jerry Seinfeld here. It's just different color laundry is what it boils down to. And I think one of the reasons that the Steelers and Ravens hate each other a lot is the fact that, they're very similar in makeup, year after year after year. They're very similar, and uh, we hate to admit that. No one wants to say, oh, "Oh, we're just like the Ravens." No, 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 no. I'll never say that. But you know what? Yeah, we are. We're very similar. I was in a fraternity in college, Zach. Um, we had a rival fraternity that uh, we fought with, and uh, we brawled with at one point. Um, Unfortunately, one of them was uh, I was probably a main instigator in that because of uh, something that happened, Um, and we're talking 1993 at the time. But when you break it down, if you took the jackets, the the fraternity jackets off of us, and you just looked at us, we looked exactly the same. We both recruited from the soccer team because we had so many players on the soccer team, and they had so many players on the soccer team. It was just um, you if you didn't know. You thought we were all on the same one. But we hated each other so much because we were exactly the same. And that, that's the way it came down to. And we're the same fan. So we need to stop and think about it. And we need to realize that I can't punch this guy out. I can't hate this guy. I can't berate this guy just for the fact that he is in my stadium rooting for a different team. 
I don't care. I don't care who's rooting for the Steelers. I don't care if I go to a game and it's 55,000 Patriot fans there and I'm at Heinz Field. That'll never happen. But I don't care. I'm going to make friends with people regardless, and I'm going to have a good time. And I'm uh, probably Josh with them and, and kid around with them. But uh, I'm, I'm not going to hate them for who they like. And now we're in a world where we're hating people for who they vote for in a presidential election. Hey, we are all on the same team, whether we're citizens of the U.S. or football fans. We're on the same team. It's called humanity, and we have to remember that. But it's getting dangerous because we're forgetting that, and a lot of us are forgetting it. And I wanted to, uh, I needed to change. We all needed to change. With that being said, let's go on to some better news, Zach. And so let's move on to the all-time sack master in Pittsburgh Steeler history. So number two, James Harrison may have the team sack lead, but Jason Gilden is still the supreme sack master in Pittsburgh history. Is that fact or fiction? No, you know, I'm going to go with fiction on this one. I think you've got to think now of James Harrison, and I think it's the perspective of him being just such a, a motivational sort of story um, and something that, you know, I'm very in, intrigued about. Um, you know, Joey Porter is up there on that list as well. Obviously, he is 17 and a half sacks short of James Harrison as of right now. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys who are on that list, but for me, it is James Harrison just because, you know, you've got to think, this guy's been in the league since 2002, and, and he's a real success story just from the perspective of him being undrafted, you know, coming out of school and just working his absolute butt off. Um, I think there's a lot to be said about what James Harrison has done for this team, especially from veteran leadership and, and creating this hard-hitting identity for this Steelers defense, uh, sort of in this you know modern time of Steelers football uh, from 2002 to 2016. You know, it, it's just been it's just been amazing to see the way that he has progressed as an individual, and and it's also been fun to see him jaw uh, a little bit with Commissioner Goodell. I have to say. Well, you know what? I absolutely love James Harrison. I had a chance to meet him twice. I had a buddy that uh, is in the autograph industry, and he had brought James in, and I was one of the guys to take tickets for him and hang out with him for the two two hours and uh, make sure that I told him exactly uh, what needed signed and, and what the ticket was for. And uh, James was just an absolute joy to be around. And this was actually 10 years ago. And uh, it was right when he was coming into prominence. It was uh, right after the, uh, the Super Bowl in 2006. And he, he, was, he was just a blast. He was telling stories. He's just an absolute fun guy to be around. Um, you, you see that mean persona on the field. Um, you can see that he was that he still didn't want to mess with him, um, but you could tell that he was just a cool guy to be around, and I really enjoyed it. As a player, I I love watching James Harrison. It hurt me to watch him in black and orange stripes back in uh, I believe it was 2013 and then when he ended up coming back I, I absolutely cheered because this is a guy that came back to the Pittsburgh Steelers and asked them to go ahead and do his retirement press conference he wanted to retire as a Pittsburgh Steeler and that morning 
there was a, there was a video on Facebook that if you follow any player on Facebook or social media, James Harrison is a blast to follow. Uh, de- definitely follow him, but you will see a lot of great things. You will see um, his acupuncture treatments that are really you, – you'll just see his uh, leg with, with all these needles coming out of it. You'll see him working out every single morning. And it, it was funny. He, uh, he set the sack record. The very next morning, he was the first one in there working out again. But when he did his retirement press conference – he was doing push-ups with, I believe it was Ike Taylor on his back at the time, and he was just he was just working out as a madman the day he retired. So when he came back, it you knew this guy was going to continue to work and uh, make make the most of another chance in Pittsburgh. So I'm thrilled to see him as a sack leader. I'm going to say fiction on this too. I think James Harrison is the the sack master, but. I will also put a little bit of an asterisk on it because of sacks not being recorded till 1982. So you got to remember that uh, Joe Green is uh, and L.C. Greenwood would be very high up on that list, and we'll never know exactly where they would be because sacks weren't recorded until '82, and that's right right around when both of them left. I believe 81 was when Greenwood left and 82 was when uh, Green left, if I'm not mistaken. But if you look at the uh, top five, the top five sackers in Steeler history are Lamar Woodley at 57, Keith Willis at 59, Joey at 60, Jason Gilden at 77, and James Harrison at 77.5. But lots of great names on there. Lloyds, Aaron Smith, Kevin Green, um, Timmons is number nine. Chad Brown's at number 11. Mike Merriweather is at number 12. There's a lot of big names on there. And like I said, names not to be found on there are Joe Green, Ernie Stotner, Elsie Greenwood. There's a lot of names, but it's really interesting to go ahead and look at this list and try to figure out who the best of all time are. So on BTSC this week, you can do that in Steeler Mount Rushmore. We, I'm going to publish an article um, later on this week where you get to decide who the top four um, all-time sack masters are in Pittsburgh. And I guarantee you James Harrison is going to be on that, on that uh, mythical statue that we go ahead and make with the top four of all time. Zach? Well, Brian, I also want to point out another thing here. Um, clearly we're talking sack masters. But I think another defensive category that rings just as true as sacks is forced fumbles. And when we take a look at that, Greg Lloyd leads the Steelers all-time with 34, and James Harrison is right under him with 33. Okay, now keep in mind the next closest player is Joey Porter, who has 17 forced fumbles. I mean, this guy, he has embodied the hard-hitting Pittsburgh Steeler um, and has really set the precedent for this defense here in the early years. That's a really interesting sack, and it's uh, it, it's funny to see that, I mean, forced fumbles, I mean, there's not a whole heck of a lot of them. I mean, when 34 um, seems like a relatively low number um, to be the leader, but that's something that, you know, I can actually see uh, James Harrison being the leader on that, too, um, with the way this uh, season's shaping up, and actually this weekend, I could see uh I could definitely see a quarterback 
getting nailed, whether it be Andrew Luck, whether it be Scott Tozen or whoever, because that is a very bad offensive line that the Indianapolis Colts do have. And I can see James Harrison possibly forcing a fumble and uh, tying on this list, too. Uh, thanks for bringing that up. I was not aware of that, and now I'm looking at it as we speak on ProFootballReference.com. So uh, thank you for bringing that up, Zach. Let's move on. And let's, uh, you know what, let's move on up. Let's continue to talk about the defense. And uh, we're going to do it with Lawrence Timmons. So number three, this is Lawrence Timmons' defense now. Is that fact or fiction? Zach. Sorry about that, Brian. I had to mute on again. You see, I do this because I, I, I turn this on, and I think in the back of my head, I'm like, hmm, okay, well, this way I can't, you know, interrupt with any sort of, you know, side commentary if I cough or anything, you know, keep the audio clean. <laughs> but apparently when I forget to unmute it, uh, we got all the problems in the world. So, so James, what's interesting here about Lawrence Simmons is that I think that he has had a weird role with this team, just from the perspective of he's definitely been one of the most dominant defensive players uh, for this squad in the last couple of years, but he's never really emerged as the leader, and I don't know if that's because of you know a lack of leadership concern or maybe he just doesn't want it, but I'm going to go ahead and take back, yes, this is 100% his defensive core right now, especially since we're looking around and most of the guys around him from, you know, guys like Ryan Shazier and, and Tyler Matikavich, uh, Jarvis Jones, these are all guys who are younger than him. And um, especially now with the absence of, you know, the true leader in Troy Palomalo that this team used to have uh, back there in the safety spot, now you really need someone to step up and be the commander of that defense. And I think Lawrence Timmons, is starting to address that role. I don't know about what you think, Brian. Well, he played like an absolute madman against the Cleveland Browns the other day. It was amazing to watch. He was flying around the ball. They were bringing him from the outside again. And you know what? I would love to see him rush from the outside more and more because he was just dynamic the other day, and I believe that this is his team right now on defense. With Cam Hayward going down, you need somebody to step up as a leader. He is one of those guys that is stepping up. We need other guys to step up, too. Um, one of the guys that I think is also stepping up is Stefan Tuitt. And with just his play, I think he is making a play to be one of the uh, big guys on defense, too. And I believe that he is going to be a leader on this team, too. So with Timmons and Tuitt, you know, those are guys that can assume that mantle and go ahead and be leaders of this team right now because they need somebody to grab them by the scruff of the neck, this defense, and it seems like it's already happening. We have three very young guys, three rookies, making contributions. Davis is now, looks like he's now a starter um, Burns has been starting. Hargrave is, uh, I mean, he's a co-starter at this point at the nose, but they're getting very valuable experience, and they're watching a guy like Lawrence Timmons um, in his 11th year still just just uh, go with reckless abandon and play amazing football on defense like he did the other day, and he is the team leader in tackles. Um, also, so you have to remember that he's leading by example. Yes, 
fact, it is Lawrence Timmons' defense now. With that being said, we want to invite all of you to call in, and it's nice to see a caller in the queue, and we will uh, get to them at the end of the six-pack. But uh, at this point, please be sure to call, too. And the number, once again, is 347-850-8581. That's 347-850-8581. Love to hear from you, but first we're going to hear from Frank Walker. Smart or stupid? Those strobing lights in your rear view? That flashlight shining in your face? License, registration, and insurance, please. The little adventure you're about to have with this guy? Uh, I'll need you to step out of the vehicle, please. Okay, so you've done something stupid. Fix it with a smart move. For DUI or criminal defense, call Frank Walker of FrankWalkerLaw.com. He knows his way around a courtroom. 412-532-6805. 412-532-6805 or FrankWalkerLaw.com. That's Frank Walker, real talk, real experience, real results. Let's move on with the six-pack, Zach. The Steelers need to be combing the streets for another wideout now. Is that fact or fiction? Oh, my God. Brian, I, I understand what you're trying to say with this question, but, man, in Trump's America nowadays, this, this could be vo- viewed as that little politically correct statement we're looking for, combing the streets. What are we implying there? No, I'm, I'm only kidding. Yeah, this this team's got to start looking, dude, and and they might as well start looking high and wide for just about anybody. And I know we mentioned Terrell Pryor uh, at the beginning of the show. I I'm still not sold on the kid who goes and plays quarterback and then transitions to wide receiver. I don't know about their longevity in the league, um, but I'll tell you this: I I think that the Steelers will find someone this off season. Um, if they don't find someone uh, by the end of the regular season to help come join them. But they definitely need one, especially with Marcus Wheaton now headed to the injured reserve, Brian. I mean, we saw this coming, kind of. Yeah, I mean, this was something that he was supposed to be the number two. He was supposed to be playing for another contract. And he's he came back in the third game, dropped three balls, and uh, really has been a non-factor um, this entire season, and that is a big blow to this team. And the reason being is you have the most dynamic wide receiver in the game that is getting double and triple teamed, and you need to take pressure off him. He still had eight catches the other day. He's still leading the league in receptions. But Antonio Brown needs help. He can't just be out there with all these guys mugging him. So I think – Kevin Colbert needs to look through the Rolodex, I mean, call people, do whatever he can to find somebody that is in shape and come in and play right now with experience. And I believe you mentioned last week the possibility of a guy like Andre Johnson who retired. Um, I don't know if that is um, feasible um, since he just left this season. I don't know if that's possible. But uh, somebody needs to come in. We can't wait till the offseason. If this team is going to make a run, And remember, a division title is still so very possible at this point. They need help at what uh, the position that we did believe once to be the most dominant position on the team. Now, you're getting good production from Eli Rogers. He's a slot receiver, but he's not going to stretch the field. You need to get Sammy Coates back in there. He has two broken fingers. I don't care. You, you need to establish him right away. I don't care if you throw deep to him and he drops the ball, but I don't – do it. Do it early just to set a tone to say that he's out there 
and we're going to go to him, and he's not going to drop it every single time. I know that sounds absolutely crazy, but you need to take some pressure off of Antonio, and I would go ahead and look to the streets and see exactly what you could find. And we're talking NFL streets, and there's guys that are still trying to keep themselves in shape that have some experience that that are gone. I mean, there's guys like, I mean, I'm going to get killed for saying this. There's guys available like a Dwayne Bow. Now, I don't know if he he has proven anything in the league, but you need to look at somebody. I'm not saying Dwayne Bow, but there's guys out there that have played recently that if you could get get them in, put them in the right situation and get some production out of them, you need to at this point, Zach. Yeah, you know, I listen, between injuries and the suspension of Bryant, I mean, it seems like wide receiver is a very common topic on this show, and it's just because we came into this season expecting the number one offense in the league. And as of right now, that's not the case. It just simply isn't. You know, we're, we're dead average with how many points uh, this team has scored, exactly 15th in the league with 23.8. But I, I, I just can't believe – that this team just can't get more production out of the wideout spots, especially with the talent uh, that Antonio Brown has developed um, and the way that he's been able to put on quite the show. I mean, Darius Hayward Bay has pretty much become like the number two wide receiver with just Sammy Coates not necessarily being hurt. able to come into his own. Yeah, and exactly. he's hurt. And he's hurt. And he's hurt, which makes so, it even worse. I mean, you're going into a game with – four receivers and three of them, only three of them healthy at this point because you've got Kobe Hamilton, you've got Eli Rogers, you have Antonio Brown, of course, and you have Sammy who's just not healthy with two broken fingers, but he's out there and he's making plays on special teams. You know he's – so that's going to tell you that the guy has heart, he has drive, he wants to play, but you need to get some help there. I mean, you normally want to have five receivers on the team, so I would – I would go out and find somebody right now. I don't know who you're going to find. Don't know if it's going to work, but find somebody that could go out and play right now. Yeah, I mean, bringing up another running back like they did uh, bringing Daryl Richardson back up, you know, that doesn't help the situation as much, especially with D'Angelo Williams probably coming back this week. You need to bring in a receiver, and it's just got to happen. Well, we're running out of time, so let's keep on going here, Zach. Number five, the hot seat hasn't cooled down for any of the coaches with the win over Cleveland. Is that fact or fiction? I'm going to say it is fact. I I think that these coaches, you know, someone does get framed, unfortunately, um, usually when things go poorly. And I would say – if the Steelers drop two of the next three, then yes, someone is going to get fired. But if this winning streak can't continue, I think everyone, you know, across the board from Todd Haley uh, to Danny Smith and whatnot, they are all going to be safe. Uh, but that is, you know, that's a week-to-week thing right now, Brian, I think. But I, I would guess you pick up a win against Indy and, and one against the Giants or Bills, and, and I think that there's no reason to get rid of anybody. Well, the hot seat to me, Zach, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say fact. Also, the hot seat to me is just going to fluctuate. It's going to fluctuate with wins and losses. I mean, there are still people. I mean, you know, the hot seat. Mike Tomlin's still on it, and the reason I'm saying that he's on the hot seat, not with 
not with the uh, organization as much as just the fans. The fans are still going to complain about things. Uh, I was even complaining about going for it two of three times. I mean, two or three times at the end of the half when they should have settled for a field goal, even though it did end in a touchdown. I was complaining about it just because of you know the situation, trying to force it just like uh, the two-point conversions against Dallas were trying to be forced. So with that being said, you know, people are going to be angry when they lose and want somebody fired, and they're going to be happy when they win, but they're still going to say, but there's still that underlining problem. And um, things aren't fixed yet, but that win puts you in the right direction. So let's go on to number six, Zach. Let's talk about Le'Veon Bell, and not his production on the field, but his production off of it in the recording studio. So number six, Le'Veon Bell needs to put the juice on the shelf while in season. Is that fact or fiction? Um, honestly, fiction. I, I'm a big believer if this is something that he wants to do to make sure that he is, you know – enjoying himself and, and also, you know, doing things outside of football. I mean, he does not just do this. And as long as it's not overtaking football, which is his job, uh, I don't think it is. And I think it's, uh, I think it's hilarious. You know, there, there are some of these lines that are, that are great in his song. So one of them is called Rap and Athlete. So those who aren't familiar, Juice is his name, uh, his rapper name. And he goes, quote, uh, all these haters at me, you need to check my rap sheet. You better take the back seat like you play in Cincinnati. That, I mean, that's pretty nice flow. I, I have to say, you know what, for someone like for someone like Le'Veon Bell, whose primary job is not to be creative um, in front of the microphone, that is not too bad. And, and I don't think it's as big of a distraction as everyone, including maybe you, Brian, makes it out to be. Well, I tell you what, I think it is a distraction when you mention if, and this is a lyric, that just that on his latest EP that has come out, there's a lyric that I believe it is something along the lines of, if they don't pay me big, somebody will, and bringing up the contract situation in season and, and uh, making threats. That to me is a threat, Zach, and that's a threat that does not need to be addressed in season. I don't care if he raps. I don't care if he does ska music. I don't care if he wants to be like Terry Bradshaw and, and do a whole cowboy country album. does not matter to me. If he wants to sing show tunes like Rod Stewart, he can. I don't care. <laughs> but don't do it in season. And if you're going to do it, don't make that the focus of your life. Make, it, make the team the focus of your life right now in season. That's what you have to do. I want complete focus on the season. So I'm thinking he needs to shelf it and just wait until the off season and let him rap all he wants in the off season. I don't care if he raps well, in season, but if he's going to cause controversy and it's going to be brought up and that's going to just be something that's going to be a distraction to the team, it's a problem for me. And I don't want to want to hear you do it. I listen to the song. I was like, wow. I mean, the lyrics, okay, you know, they're fun to listen to, but gosh, he's, he's a more dynamic runner than he is a rapper. Let's put it this way. He uh, really wanted to, I wanted to go to sleep on it. It, it just 
I didn't think it was that good. And I, if I meet Levon Bell, uh, sorry, but uh, I'm not going to uh, be downloading your latest tune. But with that being well, said, Brian, let that, me, let me, Brian, really, really quick, I just want to say that there's a, really quick, just to finish this discussion. I think it's important to touch upon this little thing, and and it's always been something to me uh, that stuck out, um, and it's a it's a quote totally blanking on who said it, but I can remember it word for word. It's every single ball player wants to be a rapper and every rapper wants to be a ball player. So I think this just might be, you know, another part of his life where he is like, yeah, I love music. Like I turn into music. I'd love to make some of it. And now he's actually getting to do it. And honestly, after the week he had against Cleveland, I'm kind of okay if he wants to keep rapping and running like that. Yeah, but you know what? This dropped before the Cleveland game when they were in the middle of a four-game losing streak. So that's why I have a problem with it. That becomes a distraction to a team that needs to be focused on football. So that's all I'm going to say about that. But I I do like what you're saying, and I love that quote. So you know what? That's the end of the six-pack. We do have a bonus question, but we want to go to the phones right now, and we are going to see who has been patiently waiting for us. Three four seven eight. Hey code. Go ahead. You're on Steeler Six Pack of Factor Fiction with Zach and Brian. What's up, guys? It's Ken from New Jersey. How you doing? Hey, Ken. Yo, Ken is a caller uh, that we've heard the last couple of weeks on the Steeler Hangover on the Monday Hangover. Good to hear from you, Ken from Jersey. What's going on, my friend? Yeah, thank you. I'm good. I, I just caught this by accident. You guys got to put the time that. I never knew the time that this show started. I thought it was nine o'clock, like the other ones. You guys got to say the time um, when you when you say the show. I think um, more people might call in. I didn't you know what know, we so we, we have been accident. fluctuating as of late, so uh, that's something that uh, we are looking at. Uh, you know, we're looking at eight o'clock typically, but uh, because okay. of uh, Zach's college commitments and because of just uh, life in general, we have been. Uh, we haven't been consistent with that, but that's something we're going to try to do going forward. So I do appreciate that, Ken. But uh, it's something that we will put on the uh, on the website on BTSC. So that's something uh, we usually put it on an hour or two before the show, so you could go ahead and check that out. But I appreciate you looking us up. We appreciate that. Cool, cool. Yeah, no problem. Um, so this I came in on um, on fact number three. I didn't hear the first two, but um, I think it was was. Is this team fact or fiction? Is this team uh, Lawrence Timmons team or the defense? Was that the question? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I'm going to say fiction. Um, that it's not his team. It's Ryan Shazier's team, and it needs okay. to be Ryan Shazier's team. Um, Ryan Shazier is the tone setter. In the in, on a first drive or something, if Timmons makes a play, what's the feeling you get inside if he makes a big tackle? Like, oh yes, well that's, that's law dog. That's what he does. If Ryan Shakespeare shoots through and tackles for a loss, everybody, it, it's just it's a different feel. So when that guy is playing, well, I was going to say with his hair on fire, but that, you know, <laughs> that, that'll never happen. But, um, <laughs> but when, when Shakespeare is playing lights out and he's doing his little dance after he makes a tackle for a loss and, you know, other guys start getting into it. And, you know, it needs to be a younger guy within the first, you know, four years. They have to take it over, and, uh, and I'm going to say fiction just because of that. Okay, you know what I, you know I agree with you on that that he is a tone setter, 
One of the reasons that I brought up Lawrence Timmons as the leader of the defense because somebody definitely needed to step up when Cam Hayward went out. Um, Lawrence's uh, the law dog is consistently there, and he just looked like a different man the other day against Cleveland, especially them rushing him off the edge. I was getting excited watching him the other day. and But guys like that, guys like Shazier and definitely Stefan Tuitt, the tackle Stefan Tuitt made was one of the greatest tackles I have seen in a long time. He just completely whomped. I believe it was Duke Johnson, oh, uh, if I'm not mistaken. He was – that was just absolutely amazing. But you're definitely right. We need to have a player that the other guys are looking at are like, all right, I, I want to be in on that. So I agree with that. What do you think, Zach? Well, you know, what's interesting for me is that I, I think you – I like the argument of give Shazier the reins because it will be his team in no time at all. I mean, whether or not we like it or not, like Lawrence Timmons, the shelf life on that man is – is honestly probably about three, four, five more years if we're lucky. Um, and, you know, that's when the team needs to start making improvements. And at this point, I mean, we've, we've, we've talked so much about how much we like Ryan Shazier and how he just embodies what it means to be a Steeler on that defensive side. But I will tell you this. I think as of right now, you have to have the guy who's in his prime lead. And I think it's Timmons still. And, and I understand I want to give those reins to Shazier, but, you know, it, it's kind of like any other business in life. You've you got to work your way up just a little bit. You know, the, the one thing that's interesting, I mean, there's only one real sporting league where the young guys take over right away, and that's the NBA. And I think in every other league, you know, you're really put into that situation where, yeah, you're given a few years to develop. The NFL is no different that way. Well, you know what, I think we all can agree in the fact that just somebody take the reins, and uh, that's something that has been lacking, so hopefully that's going to happen and continue, and with a very poor Indianapolis offensive line, I have a feeling that is going to happen even more. You're going to see some fireworks from a defense coming up on Thursday night, hopefully, and hopefully they will not be on a tryptophan low like uh, I'm afraid I will definitely be. Ken, you have anything else? Yeah, just one more. The the wide receiver thing. Um, I, I got to say fiction on that, too, you know, um, for a couple reasons. So if we look at it in a vacuum, it might be a fact. But um, I, I'm just thinking, all right, so what wide receiver would the Steelers pick up that's going to give you more than Kobe Hamilton will give you as far as size, speed, and um, to have some sort of a rapport with Ben? I think a lot of times we look at stuff in the vacuum, but Ben, ben is not going to throw to you if he's not comfortable with you. And if, if you guys haven't practiced and you guys haven't – if they haven't built up that, that trust together, Ben is not going to throw to you. So knowing who Ben is, you can bring in an Andre Johnson or a Dwayne Ball. With, uh, he's lazy, but um, you can try to bring in somebody, it's not really going to make that much of a difference. I think, I think they'd rather stick with their guys. If you want a quick guy, you can always activate DeMarcus Ayers. Um, off the practice squad, uh, if you want somebody else like that. But right now, I think they're work with what you have. Try to – Ladarius Green already knows the playbook. Just work with him. Work with these guys. If you got him, Jesse James, Antonio Brown, Kobe Hamilton. And I, I do agree they need to take one shot a game at least to Sammy Coates just, just to have someone respect that when he's on the field. They have to do that, even if – He's on the field, and they say, oh, they're going to go deep. 
and then they just run the ball. But they they have to use that. But um, I think who, with who they have, they they gotta ride these guys, and hopefully, you know, Hayward Bay comes back a couple games. But um, yeah, just getting someone off the street at this point, it's, it's just really, it's not gonna do anything. You know, I, I, I uh, I'm still, I respect exactly everything you're saying. I'm just afraid that, uh, that that has to be an option. And the reason I'm saying that is somebody's got to be in there to help out. I mean, you're going with four guys, four guys, and that's all you have right now. And I realize what you're saying about Ben, but, uh, you know, there was not much of a rapport with Ladarius Green at all because didn't practice at all in training camp. Didn't uh, You didn't see him at all the entire year until about – three or four weeks before he started to play um, in October. So, you know, Ben is going to do whatever he can to develop a rapport with him now, and uh, he's going to recognize that he needs to do it. So you're going to start seeing him go to him and get comfortable with him more and more. So that's what I'm thinking. If you bring somebody in like they did Plexico three or four years ago when they had some injuries and needed to bring another receiver in, um, and they went ahead and did that. You know, I mean, they'll do their best to to get him some reps and get that particular player, if they could find somebody decent enough to come in and in shape enough to come in, I would at least roll the dice on it. Kick the tires on somebody and at least try it. I mean, the worst that can happen is if it doesn't work, then you're like, okay, didn't work, bring in airs. But it, try something for a spark plug because Antonio is getting mugged right now, and they, they need another option. But we do agree on Sammy Coates. You know, I mean, even if he's not going to catch that ball, um, at least air it out to him and see what happens at this point. Zach? Yeah, you know, I I, I just wish there was, you know, some sort of garden of, of wide receivers that they could reach in and, and pick one out and decide to throw him in the lineup, but that's unfortunately not how this works. Uh, so, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time. I agree. I agree with you, caller, that, that Ladarius Green needs to get into this a little bit. Um, and I'm hoping that he will start to see more catches over the middle, hopefully from Ben Roethlisberger taking a look at him. Yeah, Jesse James has to get involved, too. Ken, do you have anything else for us? Yep. Oh, that's, that's well, it, hey, guys. thanks so a lot. Ken. I hope you have a out. fantastic – I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I said thank you. That, that's it. You guys are doing a great job. Just keep it up, and um, we keep tuning in. So thank you. Hey, I really thank appreciate you. you tuning in. Thanks a lot. And I'm sure I will talk to you uh, once again on Monday with a hangover. Um, it's great to have you aboard, and uh, you know, keep on calling in. Thank you so much, and happy Thanksgiving, my friend. I hope we're all celebrating around 11:30 on uh, on Thursday night. Absolutely. Will the hangover be on Friday, or will it still be Monday? You know, it, it looks right now that it's going to be on Monday, um, but we've, uh, we're uh, examining our schedules. I mean, we may go ahead and, and do it. That's just up. Um, we're still, still in debate about it, so just go ahead and watch the site for it. And uh, there will be plenty of other reasons to go on BTSC after the game anyways. So just uh, check in on Friday, but it looks like right now we're going to go for um, keep it consistent and be on Monday again. Okay, got it. Good night, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. All right, happy Thanksgiving. You as Thank well. you, my friend. Ken from Jersey, 
becoming fastly becoming a great caller on here. I'd love to hear from him. So, Zach, let's keep it going now with uh, one of my favorite topics that we go through. Actually, not a topic, but one of my favorite categories now is it's long. It's entitled The Fact That Has Pretty Much Nothing to Do with the Pittsburgh Steelers, But It's Still Fun to Debate Anyways. So let's go ahead with this one, and we like to talk about sports movies every once in a while, and we always like to talk about the city of the team that the Steelers are going to be facing off in the very next game. So we're going to go to Indianapolis, and we'll just go in the state in general, and one of the greatest sports movies of all time, you know, I don't have to say it, you know it, it's going to be Hoosiers. 1986, Gene Hackman one of the greatest sports movies of all time, if not the greatest. Um, That's something we could debate another time, but just an amazing movie. But there's a Pittsburgh basketball movie. If you are not familiar with this, it's one of those little cult classics that I just completely enjoy, and it's called The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. I don't know if you have ever heard of that, Zach, but... Here's the fact. The fish that saved Pittsburgh belongs in the discussion of great hoops movies along with Hoosiers. Is that fact or fiction? That's, 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 that's unfortunately a fiction. Listen, I, Brian, if I'm going to be completely honest, to, to, if I'm going to be honest to our listening base, I hadn't even heard of this film prior to you and I discussing it this morning when we were going over what we wanted to do for this uh, tonight. And, and I'll tell you this. Hoosiers, there's so many things that are iconic. I mean, from all the different quotes to the underhand free throw, you know, I, I mean, it, it, it is one of the most recognizable basketball movies, if not the most recognizable basketball movie of all time. Um, I'm just going to leave it like this. Listen, Indiana basketball is really fantastic. Uh, the program, especially what they've had going the last couple of years uh, with different guys all around from uh, the Zeller brothers, obviously, or excuse me, from Cody Zeller, uh, the guys like Yogi Ferrell and whatnot, Jeremy Hallowell, they, they've had quite a fill of some players. Pittsburgh basketball has been good, uh, but let's up it one more ante. Now, professional basketball in Indiana, the Pacers, not terrible right now. Pretty decent team in the Eastern Conference. And the professional basketball in Pittsburgh, well, that doesn't exist. Um, and it's kind of unfortunate, but I think that's how you got to look at it here. Listen, there's no pro team in Pittsburgh for a reason. I, I'm not necessarily saying it's because of the fish that saved Pittsburgh, uh, but I will say that Indiana got much more of that hoops vibe going on. The film is way better as well. But I'll tell you this, Brian, I'm, I'm a diet. People know me very well. I'm big on my Pittsburgh sports, love my Pittsburgh sports. But there is one other team I cheer with the same intensity as I do the Pittsburgh Steelers for, and that is the Phoenix Suns. And I do love the Suns, but I have always told myself the only way that I stop rooting for the Suns is the day a team moves to Pittsburgh. And I don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime, unfortunately. Boy, I was just talking about this yesterday. I would love to see it because I would follow the NBA more. I, living in Maryland, um, you know, I've kicked the tires on the Washington Wizards. It's sort of tough to do, but I'd love to have a team, and I just haven't been able to uh, – to really get too into it, I have this little bit of a obsession, not obsession, a little bit of a curiosity with the Los Angeles Lakers. And I know when I told you that, that almost killed you. So, um, you know, just because of the uh, the history of the Lakers. But I just don't have a team. Really, my team right now is Pitt basketball. 
and uh, their pit basketball. That is going to be another exciting season. There are some stars on that team, and uh, they're going to be very exciting to watch. But I want to get back to the movie at hand. 1979, The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. How could you not enjoy a band of ragtag players all coming together under the same astrological sign? <laughs> the Fish That Saved Pittsburgh is actually the astrological sign Pisces, and they end up changing the team's name to the Pittsburgh Pisces. This movie is starring the great Julius Irving. Dr. J stars in this movie. <laughs> All right. I don't know if I can seriously even continue with this, but it is such a fun movie that I am going to challenge anybody to just go ahead on iTunes. You could get it, rent it right now for $2.99. And, Zach, I'm going to tell you this. You, got, you and I, we become tight over the entire course of this show. And I promise you that if you go ahead and rent this movie and you come back and tell me, Brian, that was awful, I will forward you on the $2.99, Zach Parnes. But just watch this movie. <laughs> you will actually find yourself enjoying it. It is so bad that it circles around back into great. So I'm saying that this is actually a great Hoops film. I absolutely love it. I mean, not just Julius Irving. You have the great Meadowlark Lemon of uh, Harlem Globetrotter fame. He's on the team. Jonathan Winters is the team owner. And Stalker Channing from Greece, and I believe she was in the West Wing, among other things. Stalker Channing? She plays the psychic that tells them to go Pisces. There's also a uh, <laughs> there's also like in every sports movie. There's the also the young nine year old that helps get this all together. <laughs> it is absolutely a feast of fun to watch. So the fish that saved Pittsburgh, it belongs in the lore of Hoosiers. That might be the most ridiculous thing I ever said, but I'm going to stand by it. Fact, 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 and fact. You know what, Brian? That that's gonna fall in the uh, the comparing Landry Jones to Aaron Rodgers category. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. I I will watch the film, but I highly doubt it even falls in the same league. Listen, all I'm saying is get get your two ninety nine ready, okay? <laughs> Flip Wilson, the great Flip Wilson, plays the beleaguered coach. <laughs> you got to remember, awful. though, Brian. In Flip, fact, Flip I'm going to rent it tonight. Flip Wilson, that name may mean many, much to most, but honestly, I can't name you a single movie Flip Wilson's in. Flip, Flip Wilson is actually a comic genius that came up in the 60s and 70s. He's a, he's absolutely, um, he's absolutely amazing. If you ever Go back and, and uh, listen to some of his comedy, or uh, look him up on YouTube. The guy is uh, the guy's a legend, and he's he's really funny. And uh, he was actually you know revolutionary for an African American comic back in the '60s and '70s. Did a lot of great things. Um, you check him out. But Flip Wilson's a lot of fun too. I'm telling you, I want to hear a report of this on next week's show. And I know you're off on break, so you could spare the hour and 44 minutes 
that is the fish that saved Pittsburgh. It's filmed on location in Pittsburgh, and uh, there's scenes at the uh, the old Civic Arena. So. Uh, I'm telling you, you've got to watch The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. Have to put it on the must-watch uh, must here category. But, Brian, I'm, I'm sure we're coming to the end of it here. We're, we're a little bit past our, our, our hour, but I, I want to see what your, uh, your closing thoughts are for this week heading forward. You know what? We've, we had a really serious show at the beginning, and we had a great opportunity to end it. With, uh, with some levity, and that's something we all need these days. And um, so I'm glad we had a chance to do that. But, you know, the bottom line is we're rooting for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think we had four tough weeks. Actually, the team has not won since October 9th until this game against the Cleveland Browns. So it was 42-day drought, and that drought is over. So we're all glad that that drought is over. But it could very easily come back, but I don't think it's going to. I think this team had learned a lot in that, in that 42 days and a feeling that they don't want to feel again. These young guys have gotten a lot of great experience. Um, the older guys are stepping up, especially on defense in the absence of a guy like Cam Hayward not being there. And he's not going to be there for the rest of the year. So, guys, we've discussed will be stepping up. We just watched James Harrison become the all-time sack leader, and you know he's going to want to put some distance on that too, so he's going to be going for more. And knowing that a guy like that is playing with all the heart in the world, that just you just know that something special could possibly happen. And we've seen teams make late runs and win it all as a sixth seed. They're not going to be the sixth seed this year. They're actually going to be a fourth seed if they make the playoffs. And this is a team that if they can get healthy and get right, they're going to make a lot of noise and uh, be what we thought they were in the preseason. So I'm thinking it starts with an Indianapolis team that is most likely going to be without Andrew Luck and most likely going to be starting a terrible offensive line and also going to be featuring the worst pass defense in the National Football League at 32. This is a defense that is overall worse than that of the beleaguered Pittsburgh Steelers defense. So with that being said, there's going to be some points scored, but with a backup quarterback and an angry beleaguered defense ready to make some noise, I think it's going to be all Pittsburgh and I'm looking for them to break the Thanksgiving Day drought of I've watched them play five Thanksgiving days in my lifetime games, excuse me, in my lifetime since 1983 when they lost 45-3 to to the Detroit Lions. I lived through Emmett Smith trouncing them in 1991. I remember the coin toss that went awry with Jerome Bettis and Carnell Lake in 1998, and who can forget Jacoby Jones and the concussion of Le'Veon Bell and just the debacle that was the Ravens just a few years back and uh, the uh, alleged Mike Tomlin uh, interference trip, which uh, I joke when I say alleged because we all know what happened there. But with that being said, they need this game. They need to break that Thanksgiving drought and they need to continue this season. 
something that I said last week on the show and something that I've said to everybody. If they lose against Cleveland, it is obvious that they have given up. Zach, they have not given up. In fact, they announced with authority the other day that they are going to make the best of this season and make a run, and they are not ready to just pack it in. So I'm going to say that this is going to be a win. This is going to be a team that is going to look for redemption. It started in Cleveland, and it's going to really continue in Indianapolis, Zach. Well, you know, Brian, I I think it's going to be an intriguing week. You know, I I would love to see them pick up a victory as I am sitting around the table with my family, and, and that's really what I want to talk about here uh, for my closing thoughts. And, and I just want to say, you know, the holidays are, are, are definitely a pain in the ass. Um, I, I don't even know if I can say that, but they're, they're definitely a pain in the butt, okay? But at the end of the day, you're going to meet up with your family who, who love and care about you, so enjoy that time. Definitely make sure, especially if your uh, family is of Steeler fans, that you're watching that game. But make sure you enjoy the time that you have around them. You know, be nice and social um, because we're all looking out there for each other. And, and in such a time in America when, when you know, things are, are a little bit different, you know, the most important and constant thing we have are the ones who are there for us. So happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Have a very safe travel weekend. Don't be an idiot and drive in a ton of snow, especially if you're in Syracuse right now. Shout out to all my orange. They are in two and a half feet of snow, Brian. That's right. And it's not even Thanksgiving. We got two and a half feet down on the ground. Uh, but have a happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Hope you all are well. And we'll see you next week. Yes, uh, I echo exactly what Zach said. Um, thanks for everybody who tuned in. Remember, behind the still curtain for all your Pittsburgh Steeler needs, it is chock full of everything. There are seven to ten articles dropping a morning on BTSC. Every single day, something new. Um, 15 to 20 talented writers making sure that uh, they get the stuff to you. Jeff Hartman, the work that he does as the editor is absolutely amazing. It is one of the best sites for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs up to the moment of when something happens. So make sure you always check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And remember Frank Walker Law also, and, uh, and be safe out there. Um, whatever you can do to avoid having to make that call to one of the best trial attorneys would be fantastic, but if you need them, you have the number. Make sure you remember Frank Walker Law also during this time. Um, before I get going, Zach, one more thing. I just found The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh on YouTube, um, all one hour and 39 minutes of it. So if you do not want to waste the 2.99, you could watch it on YouTube. That will be there too, but I definitely want to hear a true assessment of it. And uh, I know that's exactly what I'm doing when I hang up this phone. But with that being said, for <laughs> Zach Barnes, I am Brian Anthony Davis. I want you to all have a blessed Thanksgiving and thank you for tuning in to us. We're glad that you are a part of our Steeler family. We cherish each and every one of you, and I hope you enjoy the game. I hope we all enjoy the game. For Zach, I'm Brian. This is Six Pack of Factor Fiction. And remember, that's a fact, Jack. Good night. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. 
This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.